Hello and welcome to today's episode with Abby Gibb. And ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the most passionate, fiery interviews I've done to date. If you're going to be anything like me, you're going to be fired up from this interview, so I'm really excited for this one. Abby Gibb is an Emmy award-winning former TV journalist turned media mogul. A two-time TEDx speaker, Abby now helps heart-centered entrepreneurs turn their message into global movements through aligned media visibility. Her work and message have been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, CNN, Al Jazeera America, and NBC News. Guys and gals, this episode is filled with lots of gems and is an authentic and passionate interview, so I'm excited. And without further ado, here is today's episode with Abby Gibb. Abby Gibb, I'm so excited to have you on the show. There's so many things I want to cover and talk about and hear from your perspective. And I think Really where I'd love to start with you is, as you know, I've been going through my own Lyme journey Mm -hmm. and doing a lot better. And there are definitely people, yes, we're going to celebrate that, the the progress I've been making. Um, But I'm just so like currently fascinated by people who've gone through this darkness, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's almost like the hero's journey of going through a really dark phase coming out the other side. And I think you're- you're a really great example of that. Um, so I would love for you to just hear a little bit about your journey and maybe you could set the stage of like where you were in your life when when you went through Lyme disease. And from there, I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions on yeah. all that fun stuff, but yeah. I'd love to hear like your story. Okay, so first off, uh... I love you. You're like the best human. And thank you for having me on this podcast. And anyone that's listening, hello. Um, I'm Abby. And I am definitely, among other things, a Lyme survivor. Um, The first thing I want to say about Lyme um, is that I don't believe it has any moral value, meaning that Lyme isn't a bad thing. It's not a good thing, but it is something that plants you in the darkness and it's your choice whether you want to bloom from it or not. I think it's a really important way to frame how I see my experience with Lyme, which has been now almost 10, well, uh, actually like more than 10 years since I contracted it. So I now looking back, I, I got a tick bite when I was 24, but I didn't have a bullseye. And you remember being bit? I do. Mm-hmm. Yep. My, um, my boyfriend at the time had come back. He was also a journalist. I was a TV journalist at the time. He'd come back from a story for National Geographic and um, had come home with ticks and like crazy amount of ticks. And I remember getting bitten and I remember not having a bullseye and Googling it and thinking, oh, okay. And I kind of heard about Lyme, but especially you got to remember 10 years ago, like it was not a thing, you know, no one ever really spoke about it yet. So I just went on my own way and I was in my own journey at that point um, for a lot of other things. And Lyme really just magnifies everything that you don't want to look at, I would like to say, (laughs) in general. Testify to that. Yep. Lyme Lyme does that for you. So in two years, fast forward from there, so I'm 27 years old. And at that point, I'm living in Portland, Oregon, and I have my own TV show. I have a high-rise apartment. I'm, you know, my version of I'm balling out at this point, right? And I'm also the most sick 
I'll ever remember. So I, I tell this in my first TED talk, I woke up and do you remember um, the Disney princess like movies? Okay. I remember at the beginning, there's always this like witch and it's always raining for some reason. And the witch is like hunched over and she's like, hello, come eat my apple or get this rose or whatever. Right? Like, yep. Yep. Picking up so, what you're putting down. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I looked like that. Not like the whole scraggly face, but I'm 27 and I wake up every morning hunched over. So much so that my hands were in fists like this. And I would go to, I'd hunch and like kind of crawl over to my bathroom and I'd have to pull one finger open at a time. And then I would push my hips against the top counter of my bathroom to get myself to stand up straight. And then I would like joint pain because the joint inflammation was so bad. Of course, I didn't know this at the time, right? That what was really going on. And at that point, you have to know that when I first started in the industry and, and I was a TV news journalist, when I first started out, I started in Idaho Falls, Idaho. I qualified for food stamps when I was doing stories about food stamps. Like I had graduated top of my class, all these fancy things. And I really worked my way from like the bottom. So at 27, I was not willing to ever stop for one second to the point that I didn't want to admit to myself, to my family, to my friends, let alone my show producers, that I was really sick. So what did I do? I, on top of all of that, had such brain fog. I now know that's what it was, right? Where I could look at my own dad and not know his name. I had to write everything down on a notebook, which is really tough when you're a journalist doing breaking news. You kind of need to like be able to think on your feet. Uh, and I, I had to write everything down because I couldn't remember anything from that day. I could remember things from the past, but current pieces were very difficult for me. Um, and I didn't tell anyone. I, I threw up in between commercial breaks. I couldn't eat anything. And I pretty much thought I was, I was dying. I was dying. And I, I started to go to some doctors without telling anyone. And they proceeded to tell me also that I had some sort of cancer that they didn't know what it was. And like I said, in that Ted talk, it begins to feel like you're looking down the wrong end of a telescope and everything gets really dark and really narrow. And the pain is so bad and no one can help you. And you go to all these doctors and they either tell you, you quote, this is a part of the line, you look fine, right? Oh, so hard, right? Because you don't have like every time I heard that one. Oh, you look fine. You look fine. Um, or you must have some kind of cancer. And my poor parents are going through this process. Eventually, I'm telling them that I'm sick and we're not sure why. And they're hearing their very successful 27, 28 year old daughter saying, you know, I'm I'm desperately sick. And the doctors are telling their kid, um, they've got, you know, you've got some sort of cancer and no one can help you no one can help you. So the first gift of Lyme is that you begin to really listen and trust your intuition because your intuition is telling you obviously that there's something horribly wrong, that the way that you're going about your life isn't working and your choice is either you can continue to live in complete and utter pain or you can begin to listen to a deep knowing, even though the entire world is telling you that you're crazy, that it's made up, that they can't find anything that's wrong with you. You have to start listening to your voice, right? Yeah, I have to interject because I think yeah. is so important. And I think this transcends line, right? Like anyone. Oh, yeah, it's, it's whatever. It's like we have this inner knowing of what is genuinely right. It's an intuitive knowingness, but we're so used to uh, 
using like outside or external authority to validate what we feel mm-hmm. inside. And mm-hmm. I had the same thing. I'm like, am I making this up? Is this right? in my head? Is this just like burnout? Like I really thought like I did this yes. myself type thing. Um, so I think what you're saying is so important. Like if you know something in your heart of heart isn't right or that something is right when other people are telling you it's wrong, like listen to that. And it goes back to um, in this first TED talk, I, I, it's titled uh, why it's important to break up with yourself to break through. So I speak about a few different types of breakups that we all face. So whether or not when you're listening to this right now, you face Lyme, I know you faced something in your body that you had to break up with. Maybe if you're a woman, maybe it was disordered eating or a straight up eating disorder. If you, and frankly, a lot of men in California, especially have that too, right? There's, there's all kinds of ways that we relate to our bodies that we begin to have a disassociation with. We somehow won't listen, even though our body is, let's say, having skin rashes for no reason, a migraine, like there's something your body is trying to tell you isn't working anymore. And so one of the rules that I, that I teach is that you can lie to yourself, but your body will never lie to you. Your body is your best friend. Your body is that canary in the coal mine. That's the first piece to tell you when you're starting to get off track, when you're not in your highest alignment. And what might've worked before isn't in your highest alignment anymore. So just because it's always worked in the past and it's changing, isn't a fault. Again, there's no moral piece to it. It's just whether or not you want to face it or force it. But either way, your body is moving into its highest alignment at all times. It's also why I like to use the surfing analogy because I know that you're a surfer too, that you know you get on this wave, the wave is constantly changing. The way that you move your feet, how you put your position, where you're going, where you're looking, it's constantly moving. Your body is the same way. So just because when you caught the wave, you were in one position and now you need to move another, isn't wrong, isn't bad, isn't good. It just is. And that's, that's a piece that I learned, You know, the gift of Lyme, keeps on giving. I think when you go back to that intuitive listening and knowing, Jake, like the other piece I talk about is even before this, that boyfriend I spoke about at the time, he was my college sweetheart. He was that first guy that, you know, I fell in love with at 19 years old and we moved together to our big first careers and we got our house. And so getting married was just the next step. It wasn't even maybe necessarily what either of us wanted to do, but we thought, you know, you're 20, I'm 24. It's the right next step. So he uh, asked to marry me. And I remember hearing no in very deeply quickly. No. And saying yes, because well, you know, he did this whole thing, right? The whole, the whole nine yards proposal, he has the ring. And so I'm supposed to say yes, even though I have this deep knowing and is I speak about pre, is this pre pre Lyme, pre Lyme. So again, Lyme only will magnify the pieces that you're not listening to, which for me, right. Is that deep inner knowing. And so I, I say in that Ted talk that he loved bottles of vodka more than himself. And the day that my face met his fist, I knew that I had to leave. And so that was the day before the wedding invitations were supposed to go out. My wedding dress was already bought in, in the basement. And I knew at that point that I wouldn't let my sister, I wouldn't let a friend stay in that relationship. So although I made every reason because I had been emotionally and physically abused for quite a while, I made all these excuses in my head as to why I should stay and fix him. I knew I couldn't let a friend or a sister go through it, so I had to leave. 
right? And so it was this long journey of coming back home and Lyme just amplified that, of always knowing that my body, my heart, that deep capital K divine knowing was always going to lead me to the right direction, which is always back home to myself, to my own authority. And, and now as a media coach, um, I teach how to become your own authority, which when you look at the core word of authority is author. And that's to really truly take up room on the page of your life and write your own life, become the author of your own authority, right? So it's not about asking permission or opinions of anyone else. Ultimately, you know, Sometimes you like ask, I'll be like, oh, hey, Jake, what do you think? But like, really, you're just asking them to confirm the thing you already know. You're like looking for that validation. So, so many things you said here have got my mind spinning. And this is actually something I, I didn't know about you or what you went through. But I think with the perspective you have now, it makes sense. Um, so when, how deep into your relationship did you experience uh, abuse for the first time? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because you there's so many iterations of yourself. Between 19 and 24, I was like five different versions of me, you know? Um, and also, it also, that relationship, obviously I stayed because it healed, it healed, but also magnified other pains and places that I hadn't solved from a childhood perspective. Um, so... I would say that it started pretty early on and it starts really small, especially for women. I can't speak to a male experience of this, but for women, it starts really small with things like you, why are you wearing that for instance, or what time are you coming home? Or you shouldn't be with this friend or your parent, like they, you know, it starts to be like, they don't want you to be with your parents or another close relative. Um, because their authority means more than than that, right? So it like tries to separate you from everyone else. Of course, they're just really small pieces that add up over time. I think of it sort of like a wave on a rock. And the first wave isn't really anything, but that's how a cliff is built, right? Because it just slowly erodes over time to the point that, you know, he he locked me in the bathroom and I'm crying because he didn't wear an outfit I wanted, he wanted me to wear. And I'm, I'm also at this point, Jake, like I have my own TV show. I was valedictorian in college. My, I have a loving family. Um, we are well off financially. So I didn't think that I quote looked like someone that would go through this. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's another piece is like, I really share these pieces of my story, not for, um, I don't know, like shock value. I share them because I hope that someone who's listening today realizes that no matter what you're going through, there's somebody else who looks and sounds just like you, who's going through it too. And when we share our shit, this is what I tell in my second Ted talk, when we share our shit, when we really understand our story, we find our humility in that we live into our intuition and we tell our truths. We give permission for others to do the same. So that's why I share these pieces that are very vulnerable and are very difficult and have taken me 10 years to come to be able to share to someone like you. Right. Um, and it, it, it's a slow erosion that happens over time until you don't know who you are unless you're in relation to the person who's abusing you. Mm. It's so, really so important. Many things here. So first, can't wait to get into the share your shit story. Time, which <laughs> if anyone doesn't know yet, it's an acronym that Abby coined that she's going to share. And it's how she masterfully tells stories and has won an Emmy, which we're going to get to soon too. Um, but I think one thing, again, that 
uh, th this theme is already coming up in this topic of intuition and knowing yourself and, mm -hmm. and right. And I think from a high level perspective, we're all these, we're just these people in skin suits going through this journey yep. of life, trying to um, know ourselves, learn and, and grow. And I think the power of intuition and thanks for sharing that about, I had no idea that you experienced abuse in relationships. And it's something that I've been fascinated, not so much abuse in relationships, but why we stick with things that on one hand make us feel love, but on the other hand mm -hmm. are, maybe it's like a, a misconstrued version of what we think love is because, oh, they're making us feel this way, but we're getting treated in this horrible way, but it's allowing us to feel this. And I think that transcends just, not necessarily just a relationship, but like exactly what you were saying before, what worked for, what worked then doesn't necessarily work, work now. now. And I think that's the piece I went back to in my first talk where I discovered three breakups that we all face. Ultimately, it's the breakup with yourself, right? That version of yourself that you have to leave in order to become the next evolution of yourself. That's ultimately the biggest breakup. But first, just real quick, first, the, the breakup of the relationship is a big one that happens for all of us, right? I mean, we've all been in love at some point and all of us are like, mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us have been through a breakup, right? I hope that someone that's listening right now has just like thrown their water bottle down, they're running and they're just like, yes, abs, like, yes, I have been through this breakup. I'm currently going through this breakup. We've all been through one. And that's why I, I used that as my anchor point to look at this because Here's the piece, and it's just for me, Jake. I'm not coming on high, like, you know, with a burning bush tablet parting this Red Sea, okay? This is just my truth, but here, hopefully it helps someone else. When it comes to the relationship and why we stay, there is a point in which you know that this is unhealthy. You know, even, even though that there might, you, you, you make the biggest justifications, you know that there's something unhealthy and it's not in your highest good anymore. But here's the thing for me at least, and maybe for a few of you, that I stayed because it was easier to live in pain than the fear of the unknown. My pain had become very comfortable. I knew how to be in relation to myself with that pain and not with joy and not with ease and not with full unconditional love because there were pieces in me that needed to be called what I say are a yard sale of the soul. There are these pieces of you that you put in a box in your own attic that cover dust and have shame that you don't think if someone finds out you'll be loved, accepted, appreciated, fully fledged you. So until you begin to have that yard sale of the soul, taking pieces of your attic, those boxes out onto the lawn, free to just be, you're going to be attached, I was attached to the pain because it was familiar. It was easier to live in pain than the unknown of what joy or fear or fearful or fearlessness or ease uh, was going to be like. That's my truth at that point. At that point, at 24, that was my truth. I'm not sure how you read my mind because I was actually about to ask you, like, if someone is in that position where they know deep down that something is not right or not healthy, whether yeah. that's a romantic relationship or it could be a job, it could be anything. Yeah, anything. How, how, can you, how can you shift? And I think you actually answered it by saying, you have to get so real with yourself and mm -hmm. understand, do you want to keep choosing this pain or suffering that is familiar? Or are you open to the unknown or a part of yourself that you haven't yet experienced even though it's unfamiliar. And I think 
for me at least, it's the awareness of choice. So whoever's listening, and if you're at that precipice, you know something's right. At mm-hmm. least now you have the awareness to know you can choose something different. And I think that's you what you so some. brilliantly uh, expressed there. Thank you, sweet friend. And I applaud you because I've seen you and you know, I get in your DMs and I'm just like fangirling you and telling you that I see you and I see the evolution of you. And I'm not pretending that whoever's listening, that this isn't like a super easy thing, but, but it really comes down to, do you believe that you deserve joy, ease, love, appreciation, gratitude, laughter, abundance? Do you believe that you deserve those things? Because until you believe that you deserve those things, you're going to put up with a lot less, aren't you? All of us do. I put up with a man calling me the most awful of names. I put up with uh, an industry. You know, it didn't stop there, by the way. You know, I, I put up with an industry um, that physically and emotionally abused me. And it wasn't until the power of more than 10,000 women saying me too, that I found myself saying me too. And the final shoe dropped. And I said, wow, I have been picking toxic, abusive relationships my entire life. And that's not, I take responsibility for that, but also, wow, this is how toxic our culture has been. And look at how it unravels with the power of a story, right? When Tarana Burke shared her story in 2006, Jake. Okay, on MySpace, you're probably even too young to freaking have a MySpace page. But for those of you that had a MySpace, remember I had like the falling hearts. My music was like in sync. My my MySpace page was a shit. So Tarana Burke shares her story in 2006, yo, like crazy, crazy early. And I fast forward all the way until what, like 2015, 2018, 2018. That, yeah, 2018, I hear me too 10,000 times that I finally realized I have been consistently choosing and being a part of abusive relationships in various parts of this society. And I'm not going to fucking do it anymore. And I'm also going to be on a platform to make sure that other women see that although this culture wants us to stay small in the size of our bodies and in our visions, and in our voice, we aren't going to do that anymore. We're not going to do it one more fucking day. Hell no. And that's where I am today, Jake. I'm just snapping. Preach it. But I, I think took you to so- church, Jake. I took you to that, church. That was an epic monologue, by the way. Um, <laughs> seriously, I'm like, we're going we're gonna to cut that and blast that on social media. <laughs> just a quick FYI. No, but um, I think this is really important on multiple levels. And, and this is like actually a perfect segue into uh, storytelling, what I want to get into. But like w- everyone in this whole human thing, right? We're all experiencing different pain. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, a great way to transcend this pain we're experiencing, and oftentimes pain is correlated, there's a correlation with shame. We're so, we're so afraid to like share that thing, yeah. um, which I'm, it sounds like similar to you, like you were holding this part of you in, and then through seeing other people share their shit, you felt permission to do the same. And now by you doing that, you've given two TED Talks, you've won an Emmy, you're teaching other people how to do the same. You're now giving others permission how to share their story, which I think, hey, yes, it can grow your business. Yes, it can get you on amazing media and stages. And on a personal level, it's like healing. You will heal your body, you will heal your spirit, you will feel vibrant. So 
you spent, how many years did you spend as a reporter? So I was a reporter, anchor, TV host, producer. I like wore all the hats for about 12 years. So from like, yeah, 21 to uh, 30. Well, and I was an intern before that. So, but 21 to like 33, probably mm-hmm. around there. And you worked for, I know you worked for Fox. Any other, any other interesting yeah, places Fox. that you worked at? Fox, CNN, NBC, Al Jazeera America, CBS. Like, Amazing. So you have the whole game. <laughs> all of them. Of Discovery Channel. <laughs> yeah. All of the things. All of the so things. In that time, if you had to like, you know, rough, rough ball a number, how many stories do you think you told in, in that 10, 11 year period? Oh, gosh. Well, so this is interesting. I love also, by the way, if you're listening to this right now, Jake and I are dear friends for a long time. And I also purposely don't like to know what he's going to ask ahead of time. Cause I just want to have an honest conversation. And I think here's an interesting answer actually to what you were talking about with the shame when it comes back to stories. And this is something I touch on in the second Ted talk. Um, so what you just said was so brilliant. I don't even know if you realize how freaking brilliant you are, Jake. I adore you. I think of Jake, like my little brother, and I just want to like give you a virtual squeeze hug, like every day. I just admire the way I received the virtual hug. (laughs) Yeah. I just admire the way you show up every freaking day. And that is a really beautiful piece that you just saw there. So here's my answer. It's actually like I've interviewed less about stories. I've interviewed tens of thousands of people, okay, from everything from White House to homeless, vets, right, to drug dealers. I've interviewed, I've seen the the gamut of humanity. And that's such a beautiful gift that I was receiving in my 20s. It was really formative. But here's what I know for sure. After interviewing tens of thousands of people, I realized that we all have three things in common, okay? We all want to feel seen, heard, and loved. That's it. That's all. Literally, it doesn't matter if I'm interviewing somebody at the White House or if they are a homeless person, if they have mental illness, if they are a vet, they all want to feel seen, that they even exist in this world, heard that their story matters. Not to many, right? It doesn't need to be like broadcasted to the world, but a few people and loved. They want to feel loved for whoever they, you, me really are. And when we don't feel that way, first and foremost, to ourselves, okay, when we don't first see ourselves for who we really are, when we listen to that intuitive knowing, right, and when we don't truly love ourselves in all of those deep, dark, attic-y places that we think mean that if they're shown, people won't love us, appreciate us, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying that the world has proven to us that that is true, okay? I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating this here. Right. And I'll tell a story about that here in a second, but I'm not pretending those things aren't true for many people. But we, when we first don't see and hear and love ourselves first, we turn that pain out onto each other and we call that the media. What you and I see today is a bunch of people reacting in pain, not feeling seen, heard, and loved. And we lash out and we call that racism. We call that school shootings. We call that rapes. We call that me too. We call that political anger. That is all of us desperately hoping to feel seen, heard, and loved, and we don't. And that's what we call the media. That's what these stories are representing today. 
And we now have the power to change that narrative. But of course, I wish I could tell you it was easy. And it is in a way, but it's also the most difficult piece because it requires each of us to begin to see, hear, and love ourselves first. We begin to heal ourselves and the stories we tell will reflect that. That's what I know for sure from journalism. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know it sinks in. And I think even just with that ethos, like the world is pretty divisive right now, whether it's it's (laughs) Black Lives Matter or COVID or a myriad of other things. Other things. I think when one of the things that frustrates me is seeing uh, the polarity and how yelling or telling the other side that they're wrong. Like, first of all, even if that's true, that's not going to get the other side to listen to you or hop on your train. But if you can keep in mind what you just said, they just want to be seen, heard, and loved. You can A, understand their pain, which then correlates to B, where they're coming from and Mm -hmm. why they have the beliefs they do. And if you, if you understand why they, like they want to be seen, heard, and loved, then you can actually communicate with them in a way that they feel seen, that they feel heard and they feel loved, which then allows them to be open to another option. But if you're just going to give your herd and keep telling them they're wrong, like why, if you were telling me I'm wrong and full of BS, not only does that make me not want to listen to you, it actually makes me want to listen to my belief even more. Even more, right? And this is the funny thing is like, okay, so if you you heard how many different um, places I've reported for or my stories have aired on, right? Like mm-hmm. pretty much all of the political spectrum. And what's so funny is that I remember covering the latest presidential election and I was at a Trump rally. I got sent to a Trump rally. If you know anything- What year was this? This was the, this was the year that he was elected. So like this is, okay. yeah, this was like, this is it, right? And I'm, I'm covering, it was one of my last stories. I'm covering the Trump rally. And I had just covered a Bernie Sa- Sanders rally like a, like a couple weeks earlier. And both camps told me, now abs, I know that you're not supposed to have like a side, but it's, you know, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> that you're are you know that you are a total liberal tree hugger or maga republican right like it's pretty obvious and here's why they said that not because i have a gotcha journalism or you know i was being fake but because i genuinely treated journalism as a spiritual practice and i looked as humans as god in drag right as ram das says i treated humans as if they wanted to feel seen heard and loved. Now, did I agree with everything personally? Of course not. Of course not. Right. Like don't come at me with all lives matter. I can't, I'm not, I'm not available for that discussion. Black lives matter first, right? Like that. I'm just going to say that, but at the same point, I see here and love a human being to understand why they would perceive all lives matter right? I can at least engage in the conversation as two human beings. The civil discourse happens when we begin to have it with ourselves. We have to go into those places of our hearts where when I didn't think, right? I didn't think if I shared that I was raped in college, 
that I, I didn't think I could share that story openly for so long until I realized that one in three women will be raped by the time they're 24. And so many of us are walking around thinking we're damaged goods. And that's why we get into relationships to begin with, that we feel like, well, it's good enough, which justifies why I deserve, quote unquote, to be hit, to be told I was a B word and all these other terrible things from that relationship. It started because I was raped and I believed that nobody was going to believe it was rape because I because he was my ex-boyfriend, because I knew him, except that's exactly how most women are raped, right? And then I had this, this, this very dysfunctional relationship that came from that piece, and I stayed in that, and I didn't wanna share that piece of the story because then I didn't think that I was a qualified journalist, right? I came from this muddy, watered relationship, so I put that in the attic too, right? And then I had this piece where I realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually queer. It means that I love and I'm attracted to men, women, and people who identify as other, because by the way, there are more than two genders. And until I came into that piece of my heart and realizing how I choose to love other human beings, I can't really begin to love myself, right? And so you see how this is almost just a domino effect. And until we begin to uncover, to see, hear, and love ourselves first, we just go back out and we're lashing out consistently over and over and over again. And it was only through my spiritual practice of treating other, other human beings going through their own journey and holding space on both sides that I got to the truth of what they wanted to, to, to say. And I just think it's so funny, Jake, that, that I spent so many years and everybody, no matter what, thought I was on their side. It was just very funny. It was very, very funny. Yeah. And I think hearing all this, it, one of the themes that's coming up for me and you sharing all that is like, it takes courage and audacity to look into the deep parts of yourself and to accept the parts of yourself. Like, I can't imagine what that must have been like for you to realize, wow, I'm attracted to women too. Or like, because there's right, there's this societal script and totally. you know, most part, you, you were going to marry a man, you're going to act like this, this, and then all of a sudden you have this feeling of truth in your body and energy does not lie. You know, it's there. I know it's there. That and pushing that, that's going to create all this resistance and inauthenticity, which could manifest in health. All issues. kinds of other ways, right? Then I, then it manifested in an eating disorder because I just was trying to conform my body to be accepted and loved, right? It manifested in me putting rat poison into my forehead called Botox because I thought that, you know, signs of, of joy and laughter and, and time on this earth were a sign of weakness, right? So it manifests, it keeps manifesting over and over and over. And the pieces for me on my sexuality, I realized like when I first started kissing girls in college, I told myself it was because it got us to the front of the line to get a keg, you know, like I, our culture at that time in, you know, I'm an elder millennial, um, fetishized, um, being, you know, women kissing or anything with other women. And so, and so I stayed in that box. I allowed my sexuality to be defined. Let's go back to our intuition theme of the day. I allowed my deep knowing to actually be defined by someone else, which said, oh, this is just a quote party trick. Or if you like women, then you can't like men. At that point, we didn't really have a lot of examples of what fluidity in our sexuality looked like, you know? And so that's why I choose now, yes, you're right. I choose very courageously to share a bunch of shit, not because it's again, 
for um, like, I want to be a fishbowl and everyone just to like stare at, at you, like, or zoo, like tap on the glass, all these different things. But because somebody has to start. So let it be me. I can't let it be me. Let, let this be the time that maybe you today in this podcast feel seen, heard, and loved for whatever you thought you wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And question for you is, let's say there's someone who is realizing that there's a part of themselves that they've been hiding, right? And, and mm-hmm. they know it's like an authentic part, but they're scared, whether it's parental, societal, yeah. boyfriend or girlfriend. What would you tell that person and, and, and some of this is like real, real stuff, right? Like if they share it, their parents might like disown them. Like, I'm yeah, not, I'm not pretending that shit is not. Yeah. But what would you tell that person happens after you accept and share that part of themselves if they're so scared to face? I totally understand that. And, and I can't, um, I can't relate when it comes to like a coming out story and my parents would disown me, right? I don't have that exact same story, although I can see here and love you for your story, right? I will say this. I was sitting on the kitchen floor in my Target underwear, eating overpriced, shaman blessed, ethically sourced whole foods, almond butter, right? Oh, I and love I'm, the details here. Yep. And I'm I have, uh, when you emotionally eat Jake, don't you feel like the serving size should be like a whole pint, right? Or like the whole jar, like that is the serving size in emotionally eating. And I'm crying and the salty tears mixed with the almond butter are very soothing. And I am in my dark, ugly place. And so all of you are laughing because you now can put yourself in this, right? You probably, you were probably not sitting in your Target underwear, Jake. with your almond butter, but you've had that ugly cry moment. We all have. And in that moment, I found myself saying me too. And what that meant is that I was just about to green light a show that I had been working on for three years that I went back to school to get an advanced degree. So I would be qualified to do this TV show, right? By me saying me too. Not only that, at that point, I was like, will I ever even get any media contacts again? Cause I'm going to go put this industry on blast. Like Will I be able to do that, right? And I had a lot on the line when I chose to say that. And so I understand that although your story, whoever's story may be different over what is on the line when we admit our truth, I encourage you to look at the word courage, okay? You can tell I love words. (laughs) So if you look inside of the word courage, there's the word rage. Rage is a part of courage, especially for women. We are not encouraged to be angry, let alone rageful and pissed off. But sometimes the word rage, being pissed off, is the fuel that it takes to make the action that you need to live your best life. Sometimes it's okay. Don't dismiss the fact that you're pissed, that you're rageful over the fact that somebody won't accept you for who you love right? That somebody sexually assaulted you, that maybe you were also a victim of me too, that somebody told you that you were crazy when you knew that something was wrong with you in your body and you were sick for years. It's okay because sometimes it takes the rage to have the courage to take the action. Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) 
I'm just taking people to church today, Jake. I didn't plan on this. Maybe it's my cold brew. I don't know. Here we go. I'm just flowing. I'm like, there's eight monologues here. We're going to have to pick. This is so good. I'm like, okay, which clip am I going to share? Um, but yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of that quote. Don't gain the world and lose your soul. Wisdom is better than silver and gold. And I think one of the, you're just a shining example. And, and this is what I look up to too, right? And, and this has shifted in my journey of, you know, when you're younger, you kind of look up to like the guy who has it or the gal who has it all made. They drive the car, they got the money. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I want nice things and I plan on doing all the cool things too. And what matters to me most is most is like, can I authentically be and express who I am and not feel like I'm wearing a mask? And I think everything you're sharing is just showing and you have it right you're walking the talk you're radiant like you can't bs this stuff right no energy doesn't lie you look at you you're living your best life you're authentic Mm -hmm. like it doesn't you could just look at you and like tell watch your videos you know whereas someone else and it's not a bad thing but i don't want to live my life in a way where i feel constricted so wow you have just got my mind spinning (laughs) well i just this is my wish for you jake my sweet younger brother i feel like who i just feel very protective of Um, because you've got a heart of gold and anyone who's listening to your podcast, right? They're on that same vibration. So whoever's listening, y'all are probably the best humans too. Okay. Here's my wish for you as maybe your big sister. I wish for you that you begin to truly just let yourself be that. I hope you see that the more that you share who you really are, the more energy you'll have in the day because it's not spent hiding. And why do you want to be loved for someone you're not? It was fucking exhausting, Jake. It was so fucking exhausting for me to tape hair to my head because I thought it made me sexier and put all this shit on my face and then not eat dinner. I was fucking starving every day. And then I painted my skin orange to make myself what not look that I'm from Scotland originally. I'm white as fuck, Jake. Like I don't tan whatever dude. Like, and like, I like food. Food likes me. Like it's cool. I got bigger boobs out of it. Whatever. Like fuck dude. Like just I swear, wherever you're at, I swear, if I could, I'm going to send you this energetic hug right now. I love you. I hope whoever this is feels this vibration. I love you. And whatever piece you think you won't be loved for, I love that place first. I love that place first. Let me see the shadow and let me put light there first. That's what I want to transmit today. Mm. Fuck. Oh, please live your best fucking life already. It's so short, Jake. It's so fucking short. That's what Lime showed me. I had everything. I had the big fancy apartment. I had the big fancy fucking job. I had all the money. I had all the things. I had a chandelier in my closet. Okay. I collected Chanel purses. I had all of it. And you know what happened? I got so sick. I couldn't even walk. It can change so fast. Please, I, you don't need Lyme to have this example. Please don't. I was a slow learner, okay? You don't need to follow how long it took me. Fucking make today the day to just go be and watch how many more people are loved and attracted to you because you're who you really were born to fucking be. Oh, that's my wish. That resonates so much. And like you said, you don't need Lyme. You don't need, even though that has definitely shown me 
like caring about stuff that just doesn't matter. It matters. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Like, you know, without your health, nothing matters. It matters. Like I couldn't eat and then it, I couldn't poop. Right. Do you know what it's like for some hot ass doctor, you're going to the hospital and you're 27 and you haven't pooped in five days and a hot ass doctor has to like pull poop out of you. That is a true, you know, you have Lyme wind story. Okay. That shit will make you humble as fuck. That's my truth. (laughs) Cool. So I'd love to segue into some of your, your zone of genius in storytelling, right? So let's say someone listening um, has a message or a business or something that they really care about and they want to get it out to the world. I know you specialize in helping people land media podcasts and crafting their message to get it out. Right. So can you briefly talk about the acronym of share your shit and Mm -hmm. how someone can go about doing that? Absolutely. So I, I say that, you know, I've been, I was pitched on average about 25 times a day for a decade. So I've seen a lot of people's stories over time and everybody has two things in common. Okay. Everyone has an incredible story and almost no one knows how to sell it. And if you want to create a story into a message and a message into a movement, people have to buy into your story. They have to buy into your words. They have to be inspired to take the action that you want them to take. Right? So how do you do that? Right? Well, it comes down to really understanding your shit, your unique shit. So first it's your story, right? Unlocking and unleashing your unique story which is so fucking great, whatever it is. I love it. I love hearing people's stories all day long. The next piece is finding your humility, right? That's the two sides to that coin. So the first side is saying, it's okay that I'm not okay, right? Because so many people are facing some sort of anxiety, depression, mood disorders, Lyme, health issues. Everybody's facing something. And the day that you admit and love the fact that it's okay that you're not okay is the day you give someone else permission. And that is some serious, powerful shit. Okay. The other side of that coin is especially for white leaders in this paradigm shift to ask ourselves, is it manifesting or is it white privilege? Really important question to ask, because we can't stand here and say, just follow my 10 step rule. When This world was built to see people who look like me succeed. When the world listens to women, they still listen to white women. I am, I'm very consciously aware of that as a very well-educated, charismatic white man, Jake, the world is built to see you succeed. So when you stand up there and say, just follow my 10 step rules to manifesting my life, like go fuck yourself. Like it doesn't work that way for everyone. Right. Right. So I just am asking that we start to lean in with love to understanding that the world doesn't necessarily sound or look like us. It's not built for all of us to succeed. And the ownership comes on each of us to see if we are in a place of privilege, how we can begin to share our platforms and change the systematic structures that have held other people down, right? And then if you are someone who is a person of color, and you're wanting to share your story, I would encourage you that I know that you've been sharing for hundreds of fucking years and nothing has happened, but now the systems of privilege are listening. And so now more than ever, it is important that we share our stories and we find that humility piece and say, I have been very frustrated, angry, rageful, 
all of the words over not feeling listened to, but the world is changing. And the next piece is intuition. And this is about a paradigm shift of leadership. Okay. It's about saying that in our business, especially for those that are entrepreneurs like me and Jake, your KPIs, your ROIs, they are so important. That is the masculine. That is the river bank that holds and gives structure to your business, to your stories. But also it is the river itself we listen to as well. The deep knowing, the intuition, that deserves a headline. That we have to share on a daily basis in our podcasts, with our friends, on our social media, with our clients. We have to share how that deep trust and knowing has come out, right? And that leads us to the last piece, our T, which of course is our truth. And that is that yard sale of the soul. And that continuously happens over time. It's not a one and done thing, but the more we can lean in and have that yard sale of the soul, the more we give permission for others to do the same. And what I would love, my biggest big why, Jake, is I would love one day to not hear, oh, Abby, it was so refreshing. It's so nice to hear someone be so honest and vulnerable and real. Like, why is that an exception to the rule? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Is my question. <laughs> like, yeah. why aren't we having these conversations all the fucking time? Because if you're saying to me, oh, it was so refreshing. I felt the exact same way. Why the fuck are we not all talking about it then? Right? Mm -hmm. If 300 million people are facing some sort of mental illness on a daily basis, right? Like anxiety, depressions, mood disorders, you know, like, why are we not, why are we all acting like it's an Instagram filter perfect life? No wonder we don't, we, we don't feel connected, right? No wonder we're starved for connection, no matter how much connectivity we have. We have more ways than ever, podcasts and social media, fucking TV, everything possible. And yet we're starved for human connection. If you want to have a massive impact on this world, it starts with you sharing your shit. Watch what happens. One week, I give you a challenge. Entrepreneurs love challenges, Jake. I give you a challenge. Four days, pick one letter a day, share your story, find your humility, live into your intuition and tell your truth. Four days, do it every single day on your podcast, social media, whatever. Watch what happens. Your business will fucking skyrocket because you're human. Mm-hmm. And going back to what we said before, you're going to unlock parts of healing in your own body that you- Oh my God. Um, so One good. quick question for you, because I know a lot of people have this objection. Um, what do you tell people who say that their story's not interesting or there's nothing there? It doesn't matter. Who benefits? I'm going to ask this question instead. Who benefits with you continuing that belief? Do you benefit? Do you benefit by staying small, whoever you are? Does the person that you're meant to help benefit? Does the business that you're trying to build benefit? Does this planet benefit? Who benefits from you saying my story doesn't matter? Fuck all, no one. You know who benefits? Those in power, old white men who are making a shit ton of money off of you staying insecure with whatever that is. Okay. I'm not trying to make a bad guy and a good guy here. Okay. But let's just be real about the life that we live. Okay. So no one that needs your help is going to be benefited by you staying small. Your story wasn't supposed to end with you. Okay. Your story is meant to become a message right? Your story is the things that happened for you. The message is the lessons that you learn from the story. The movement is how others can duplicate the actions you took in their own unique life. And everybody is capable of it. 
Mm. Man, I'm just like, I don't even know why today I'm just fiery as fuck, Jake. I, I like it. Cold brew. I don't know what you're drinking in your coffee, but I think I need to get some of yeah, it's just cold brew and some CBD, but you know, it's all yeah. good. The floodgates to source have just been flowing through you today. It's open. So. Pouring through. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really think that's important though for people, you know, to realize like what you were saying. It's it's try if you're having that objection come up of like your story doesn't matter, you're also like really limiting and I think it's also a belief, right? That you think that what you've gone through or it, it's not significant, but the very fact is you've gone through some sort of pain and overcome it. And that by you not sharing that, like there's other people who need to hear what you, you have to say in order to unlock it. Just like you heard that one woman share her story, which now you're sharing yours. And I, I've heard that so many times, but I love the way you shared that. And there's so many things I can ask. Um, and we are, we are getting close to the hour mark here. So, before I kind of wrap up and ask you the final question, if someone wants to learn more about what you're doing, they want to learn how they can work with you to tell their story or learn how they can get on more media, where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Awesome. Well, first, thank you. Um, it's Abby Gibb is like all of my handles and my website, right? So it's A-B-B-E-Y, like, like Westminster Abbey or Downton Abbey. So it's Abby Gibb for Instagram and also abbygibb.com. Um, I'm a real person. I answer my DMs. As Jake knows, I really like to bring social back to social media. So first, I would really love if I could hear from you over what was maybe something that landed in your heart today. What was like a big takeaway from this episode? And if you want to shoot an Instagram story and tag Jake and me, I would love to hear that and be able to have a real honest human connection with you. So first and foremost, that. We're Second. Link all that. What's your Instagram handle though? Just so anyone it's listening. It's just Abby Gibb. At, cool. at Abby you guys. Gibb. Highly recommend one of the best Instagram accounts I follow. Okay, keep going. Thank you, friend. Um, so first off, let's do that together. Let's like be real humans. And then the next piece, I have um, a monthly membership and it's called my Movement Maker Mentorship Program. And that's where I teach how to unlock different parts of media visibility and your unique story. And then from there, once you join that monthly membership, um, there's lots of different ways that we've got... Um, Two times a year, I do a big uh, boot camp where you learn these how to get landed on stages, TV, podcasts, all of that, especially if you don't have a lot of time, money, following, this is perfect. And if you are someone currently listening who is in the high six to seven figure range, I do have a mastermind group that I run to help them really amplify their movements. So you can just hit me up in the DMs and I'm a real person. We'll just chat about it. It's totally fine. Perfect. And we're going to link all that in the show notes, guys, so you'll have uh, info and links to all that. Perfect. So Thank first, you, friend. Before I ask the final question, I just want to say thanks, Abby. I know I'm going to like say something you just said annoyed you, but like it is honestly really refreshing to hear how uh, vulnerable and just like real you are. Like, you know, most of the people I talk to are that way, but you know, the whole PC scripted culture is just, it's going millennials, Gen Z, we don't have time for that. And you're just a example of like, you're getting me fired up because you're just being real. You're sharing your truth. And I know that that's going to resonate with a lot of people. So uh, I appreciate you. you sharing that. And really this, this conversation has gotten the gears turning in my head. There's so many things I could ask, but I'm just curious, like, you know, it's July, 2020. What are you most excited about in your life right now? That's such a good question. What am I most excited about in my life right now? So right outside my door, um, my partner just bought 
we together bought a van and uh yeah and it's fucking so nice it's like like brand new super awesome van and um and he's so cute he bought me like this like a little desk in there and like all my little stuff so i can like be working remotely and like just made it so that it's um such a fun space and literally he just dropped it off he he flew to go pick it up and just dropped it off this morning so I'm excited about the van, but here's why I'm excited about the van. Um, because as somebody who came from the media, and when I say, oh, I'm a media expert, right? People assume or, or think I quote should, which fuck all that, but I should uh, be living in LA. I should have a TV show. I should, I should, I should. And I am really living what is the most authentic expression of this flesh skin suit that I am here that on. That is this. Abby Gibb. That is quote, right? Abby Gibb, which is also just a figment of whatever, but that's fine. We'll go with it. We'll go into a spiritual podcast another day. So <laughs> I, I am excited because that van to me exemplifies the fact that I am living what is my most authentic version of my life, which is that I get to help other people unleash their stories, right? And create real movements of change. But I also get to do that in the way that feels most authentic to me, which is on the road, running in the forest most of the time, being with this man that I'm madly in love with, and most importantly, madly in love with myself. And that makes me excited as fuck, Jake. <laughs> that is awesome. You are truly walking the walk, Abby, and I'm excited to see all the updates and follow you on the gram and, and see how this van life and everything you're doing transpires. So again, thank you so much, Abby, and have the best rest of your day of your life. Thank you. Same to everyone who's listening. Thanks again, Jake. I love you. Wow. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Abby Gibb. She really brought the heat today. I've done like 20 of these podcast episodes, and I can say that was one of the most flowing and fiery conversations I've ever had, and it really got me inspired. Anyways, All of the uh, things that we mentioned in the interview in terms of connecting with Abby, links to her programs are linked here in the show notes. Reach out to her. She's awesome. She's super responsive and really is one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. So make sure to connect with her there. And again, thanks so much for tuning in. If this show resonated with you, if you're enjoying what you are hearing, I would love if you took 30 seconds to leave a quick review on iTunes so so more people can find the show again Thanks so much, and until next time, stay curious.